to Eurocron, a podcast about a wide variety of topics, including people, restaurants, travel, or wherever we can find a good story. And in some cases, maybe even create one. So let's get right to our next story. I've been really looking forward to this conversation with our next guest on Eurocron. As I've said before, I'm a weather enthusiast and love talking weather, especially hurricanes. Blake Matthews is an American journalist and broadcast meteorologist for multiple major TV markets in Texas and Florida, certainly two states that see a lot of hurricanes. Blake has written a book that is scheduled to be released August of this year titled Harvey Hell, Off the Air and On the Ropes. Raised in Houston, Blake's intimate knowledge of Houston and the effects Harvey had on the city, plus his own personal experience evacuating the TV station in the middle of the night while it flooded, makes this book a must-read. Wow. Blake, welcome to your crime. Well, thank you for the PTSD. <laughs> Man, that was, a, that was a heck of a morning. That August 27th, it was a Sunday, 6.30 in the morning, and... You know, what's so interesting is when I arrived at work that morning, about one o'clock, um, it, it actually was not raining and I was able to drive there. Allen mm. Parkway was passable. Um, of course, KHOU at the time sat at the corner of uh, Stanford and Allen Parkway. Yeah. And uh, now it's an empty lot. <laughs> and um, I, I was able to pull right into the to the, to the parking lot and... I remember doing a live shot walking outside at 6.30 in the morning and the water was lapping at our feet at the front door of KHOU. And and David said, this is it. He's like, we're going under. And at the time, Allison had only, Allison was the last hurricane, the only tropical storm, I should say, that put water inside KHOU. They only had six inches of water, which if you think about it, you know, you have Buffalo Bayou, then you have Allen Parkway, which sits pretty high. And then KHOU sat on top of a hill. You actually had to climb stairs to get to the front doors of KHOU. So the fact that Tropical Storm Allison was able to put six inches of water in that building at the time was like, wow. Yeah. How much water, how much rain would it have taken to do that? And when he said... Water is not only coming in the building, it's going to the second floor. I mean, that was mind-boggling. And and I can still hear him in my mind saying that, and it just sent chills up my spine. I mean, David really had a handle on the situation early on. Yeah. And Allison, if I remember right, it was about 34 inches of rain over a weekend around the medical center, which KHOU is not far from, obviously. So Right. So it was 35 inches in Northeast Terrace County, kind of over where I would say 610 and, um, oh, what's the name of that? Uh, West, uh, anyway, Northeast side of town, yeah. kind of where the, the 610 loop kind of wraps around to the east side. Mm-hmm. Uh, 35 inches of rain was the bullseye. So mm-hmm. in the downtown area, about 20, 25 inches, mm-hmm. still pretty appreciable amount of rain i mean look what it did half a half a year uh half a year's worth of rain in three or four days yeah yeah so what went through your mind after david said that well you know so i'm a big titanic fan (laughs) (laughs) and the only thing that was missing was an iceberg and a captain yelling women and children first okay and because i'm I'm sitting here 6 30 last live shot David goes back into the studio to anchor with Lynn. And I'm, I'm standing there just for a moment, just kind of taking all this in. 
<clears throat> and water starts pouring through the front doors of the TV station into the lobby. And I'm thinking to myself, this must have been what they saw as the ship went down. Yeah. You know, because the sound of running water is the sound of running water, whether it was 100 years ago or today. You know, right. it all sounds the same. And I just, I remember being very fascinated by that. I remember that being the exact thought that went through my head. It's like, hmm. So this is what it was like in the dining room when the ship went down. <laughs> so uh, it, it was really surreal, you know, and, and you think to yourself, there's a lot of meteorologists out there that spend 25, 30 years in the business and they're living in San Diego. You know, they live in Seattle, okay? And they don't get to see what I saw. And um, it certainly is going to live in the forefront of my brain as one of the most incredible professional moments of my life. I doubt that anything will top it. Now, I don't want to test Mother Nature. I don't want to, you know, tempt her. But uh, it's one of those, I, I'm glad that I was able to experience it. And I hope that I never experience it again. Mm, yeah. I mean, it was really traumatic. Yeah. So that's at 630 in the morning. Um, let, let's keep going. What, what happened from there? So it, the word that I have to describe it is brevity, the brevity of it. One o'clock in the morning, I drove to KHOU. The Allen Parkway was passable. By 6.30 was the last live shot on the front porch of KHOU. By eight o'clock, we had abandoned the first floor of the building. We were on the second floor, fire alarms going off, the smell of melting wires and, and, and things. Uh, the toilets were overflowing on the first floors, the water was coming up. So the, the, the water was toxic with uh, bacteria. And I write about this in the opening uh, paragraphs of my book, you know, things that stick with you, the, the, the splashing, I could still hear the splashing of, of engineers running through the hallways that were filling up with water. Uh, there were no answers, you know? I mean, they were moving at a deliberate pace, you know, looking for something to do, uh, looking for a way to stop the water. And it was coming through every door every window, the fire alarms are going off. And I, I remember asking an engineer later on, I said, what was the deal with the fire alarms? You know, I never remember smelling smoke in the building. And uh, the only thing that makes sense was, you know, there's a lot of equipment inside of a TV station. I mean, you've got editing bays and computers and, and all kinds of equipment and they have fire suppression systems. So I, the only thing that makes sense is that those wires got hot, that equipment got hot, and those fire suppression systems were uh, activated that set the fire alarms off. That's the only thing that we could think of that makes sense. Water and electricity, you know, I'm sure things began shorting out and for whatever reason, the fire alarms just wouldn't shut off. So th there's a couple of things that stick in my mind. Um, obviously, I remember David saying water's going to the second floor. I remember the fire alarms going off, the sound of running water in the lobby of this building. Um, and David on the air, you know, we looked over in the studio, Studio A, and uh, Lynn Cannon said, uh, I think that's Buffalo Bayou. Now, there's uh, no windows in Studio A, right? Mm. It's, it's on the first floor, but there's no windows. And for, for Lynn to look over on TV and said, you know, I think Buffalo Bayou is coming in and David looked over and said, yep, that's Buffalo Bayou. And that was the first signs that we were in deep trouble. So y'all are trying to get word out to the public mm -hmm. to keep them safe. And now you're in harm's way personally. Right. And, and I don't think that any of us were scared. Um, we thought, okay, you know, Allison, six inches. I guess I was more concerned about my truck 
You know, I, I remember being <laughs> on the front porch, and I think if you go back and look at the YouTube video, I said, you know, David, I think I'm about to lose my truck. And, and David walked in and he said, well, I think we're both about to do that, you know. And, um, but it, it, it's like, it, it's, it's, so, it's such a blur, you know, in that, that moment in time, from the time I got to work to the time we evacuated the station around 9.52, 9.30. We evacuated the station at 9.30, and by 9.52 a.m., the signal was dropped, and that was it. We were off the air. Um, wow. <laughs> how, how deep was the water? when you uh, We ended up getting five, five to six feet in the lobby. So keep in mind, Allison, six inches. We ended up getting five to six feet. And so it didn't quite make it to the second floor, but these are semantics. <laughs> I mean, it was as deep almost as I am tall. Yeah. So did you wade through it or swim or a little of both? Or Yeah. So let's see. Um, I remember being, so we were in the conference room and by this time I had changed out of my suit and I was in jeans and a red polo shirt and you know, I was a little bit intimidated because this is one of those instances I didn't know what to tell the public. You know, I mean, I was doing the best I could, but who am I, you know, to pontificate when we've got water pouring through our doors, sure. you know, and I, I think, you know, at one point I had mentioned, you know, go to your attic and take an ax with you. And Dave was like, this is, we're not Paul Bunyan. <laughs> it's like, it's like, who has an ax? <laughs> <laughs> so it's like okay. that's not on the uh, hurricane supply preparation. That is, yeah, right. Maybe <laughs> it should be around these. Parts. Maybe so. Yeah. yeah. And um, I thought, you know, that's a good point. It's like, and I wrote about that in my book. And it's like, you know, these people are armed with bicycles and shovels. You know, not axes. We're not clearing forest here. Yeah. So, but you know, Brooks cheated David and I. I mean, we were really doing the best we can, but it was just unprecedented. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, here I am, I'm at the time 31 years old and I haven't really been through much. I wasn't old enough to be on the air when Allison hit. I mean, I was here for it, but I don't really remember a whole lot about it. So this was like, uh, you know, my, my first stab at it. And I knew that people were hushing a room when the meteorologist came on, like, hush, they, you know, let, let's hear what he has to say. Well, I didn't know what to tell him, you know, and I, I got in my own head. I thought, well, they want to hear from the chief. They don't want to hear from some boyish looking weekend guy. Right. You know, right. Uh, but I did the best I could. We all did. Yeah. Uh, in, 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 in the face of catastrophe. Um, wow. <laughs> Just keep going back to that word. Wow. It was, it was really overwhelming. I can remember we stepped. So how we got out of KHOU is uh, we ended up having to leave out of the second floor down the fire escape on the side of the building. And um, it, it's kind of hilly in that part of Allen Parkway. The building was uh, kind of sat lower in the front than the back because mm. the, the KHOU is built or was built uh, basically at the rim of the bayou. Mm. You know, um, So we were kind of built inside the rim, but towards the top. So the further back you went into KHOU, the higher up you were. Yeah. And um, so I remember stepping out of the fire escape and, you know, my, the water was maybe up to my shins or something. It wasn't all that deep. Not yet anyway. And I remember peeking around the front of the building and there were there was nothing recognizable. Uh, Allen Parkway, Memorial Drive, Buffalo Bayou. I mean, it was just one giant river. 
and you couldn't make heads or tails out of any of it except the tops of trees and the tops of these lampposts. Not the middle, the tops of the lampposts were the only things sticking out of the water. Incredible. And for those that are listening that aren't from Houston, uh, David, that Blake is referring to is the chief meteorologist at KHOU, who still is today. Were all the meteor meteorologists there? They that, were, that yeah. And yeah. so we had... So this is what's interesting is uh, there's a chapter in my book called uh, Dark Days, Figuratively and Literally. And actually, I think it's the other way around. (laughs) I wrote the book. I don't even know the name of it. Um, No, Dark Days, Literally and Figuratively. And that's because if you remember on Monday, August 21st, there was a solar eclipse that Mm. went from the Pacific Northwest down through Missouri and into Florida. And even though it didn't get... 100% 100% dark here. Still got pretty dim in the afternoon. Dim enough to fool the village idiot that it was dusk, okay, in the middle of the afternoon. So everybody was fixated on the eclipse. Rain? Pfft, what rain? You know, I can remember being in, uh, I think it was Pearland Junior High School. I was there doing a live shot for the eclipse. And that's when Brooks sent me a text message of this kaleidoscope of color. It was uh, the new models had just come in showing enormous rainfall amounts, 15, 20, 25 inches. Well, that was news to me. I mean, (laughs) I was oblivious. I mean, because the weekend before Saturday, Sunday, I mean, I can remember closing out the Sunday broadcast saying, hey, you know, here's the the viewing forecast for the eclipse. Looks like it's going to be a hot, sunny week and, you know, chance of rain by the weekend. I mean, there was nothing to indicate that we were going to be in for any type of historic disaster. Um, It really did come out of the blue. Um, The models for a long time had indicated that this thing was headed for Mexico. Um, The NAM and I believe the UCE met. Now, the NAM doesn't go all all that far, but the point is it showed dissipation altogether of Harvey. And it did dissipate. Um, But man, when it crossed the Yucatan, you know, that thing came roaring back to life. And I guess it was, yeah, that Monday, August 21st is when the Euro came in. The, the 12Z Euro, about one o'clock in the afternoon. And that was the first model, I think, that put the storm into Texas, not only as, as, as a big rainmaker, but as a hurricane. And then all the models, one after the next, uh, with their next runs came in and they all cast their lot condemning our area. And uh, once it showed a Texas hit, it never relented. It only got worse from there. Yeah. Well, being a weather enthusiast, I was watching the weather, and I remember that vividly. Once it crossed the Yucatan, like you said, it was very weak. In fact, it was. It seemed like it was in four chunks, I remember. And then I, uh, I remember watching uh, a satellite loop over, I don't know what, it, maybe six hours or something like that. And these four chunks of clusters just started circulating. And a uh, meteorologist uh, on air said, uh, you know, we expect this to be a, a cat one, but as fast as it's forming, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a cat two. And of course it ends up being a huge, uh, wind event to say the least for the Rockport area. Yeah. The first category four hurricane since Carla in 61 and only the second category four hurricane, I think since 1915 wow. that hit Galveston. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So now I'm not sure, uh, Brett, I think they downgraded from category four to three. Yeah. So I don't think that counts any longer. Yeah. That was in 1999. Yeah. And then, uh, do you remember what Celia was or Beulah? Um, 
I think they were both cat threes. Okay. Yeah. Beale so was 69. Uh, so you was 70. They were around the same time. They were. Yeah. yeah. Late sixties, early seventies. Yeah. But, um, so if they were threes, then yeah. I mean, Harvey was only, think about that, the second category four hurricane since 1915. So that would have been the second 102 years. Yeah. So and it went a very short distance to become that strong, that fast. I remember, I mean, it was, if I, I can't remember the exact location, but when I was talking about those four clusters and seeing that, it seemed like it was almost to the middle of the Gulf by that time. So it was. And, you know, par for the course, if you think about it, <clears throat> you know, the, the four Category 5 hurricanes that have hit the United States were all tropical storms three days prior. Yeah. Right? So uh, 1935, uh, Camille, yep. Andrew, and Michael, all mm. three cat- were tropical storms just a few days before. So par for the course. Yeah. And, and I think... A lot of credit goes to the National Weather Service and the Hurricane Center. I mean, the the Hurricane Center had hurricane watches up when this thing was still a depression. Wow. So, I mean, Texans had a fair amount of warning. Now, they didn't. We didn't have as much warning as we had with Rita. Yeah. You know, there was a. You know, we saw this thing. The cone was pointed at Texas when it was still east of Florida. Yeah. You know, and I think I was doing some research writing this book that uh, they had called for an evacuation, like four or five days prior out of Galveston. So there was a lot of warning with Rita, but there was still a fair amount of warning with Harvey too. And uh, the the Hurricane Center did a great job uh, with their forecast. But, you know, look, we we stress and we stress that the one aspect of a hurricane that we do not understand is the rapid intensification. Yeah. You know, and and what triggers that? And some storms you think are, are destined to do it and they don't. And other storms you don't think they will, they do. Yeah. You know, well, it seems like models and I've read this too, that models um, are better at the track than they were much better at tracking than they were 10 years ago. But intensification is still a mystery to, to models and, and everybody for that matter. And speaking of that, so I remember Harvey making landfall and then it ran into something, maybe a front or something and sort of backed up and was just kind of bouncing along the coast as it made its way up to Houston. Yeah. It, it, but were the models showing signs when it when it made landfall in Rockport? Were they showing signs of it doing something like that? Well, yeah. I mean, that's what prompted the kaleidoscope of color that Brooks sent me on Monday. Okay, that yeah. that the models had already started picking up on the on this idea that because um, there was high pressure surrounding Harvey, mm. um, there was a, a big ridge to the north and one to the east, and you know it, it got trapped between those two, which is why it came to an abrupt halt, mm. 60, 70 miles inland from the coast and sat there for three days. So yeah, I mean, the model did a really good job showing that the storm was going to slow down where we struggled was, okay, I can't get up there and put 50 inches of rain on a forecast. I mean, that's cartoonish. Okay. I'm like, what is this? Somebody just get fire this guy, you know, <laughs> what an idiot, you know? I mean, but yeah. so we, we put 25 to 30 inches and, and that still made me nervous. Like, man, you know, there were a couple of times, especially on Thursday and Friday, um, where I, I would look at Cheetah and I said, man, I sure hope this happens. I mean, not hope that it happens, but, I, you know, I hope our forecast is accurate. Is, is accurate. Yeah. And Cheetah said, well, what if it's not? I, you know, and I said, well, I said, we're going to be the new Geraldo Rivera, you know, expecting this waterfall of rain. You get a trickle, you know. <laughs> I said, we'll be right out of town with pitchforks and, you know, torches. Uh, But I said, you know, I would pull up the model that I said, look, I said, 
you know, this model shows 40 inches, this model shows 45 inches. I mean, they all can't be wrong. And I said, with a storm sitting to our southwest, you've got this old frontal boundary that was sitting right along the I-10 corridor. David described it as a perfect rain machine. And the atmosphere could not have been more prime for rain development. You had this front that would have, you know, focused all the rain right over the I-10 corridor. Of course, Houston paved over with impermeable concrete. Then you had, you were on the east side of the eye, you know, the, the rising motion of the storm, a lot, a lot of instability, a lot of upward uh, momentum. Uh, that's why they call it the dirty side of the storm. Yeah. It's the wet side. Yeah. And I mean, we were just perfectly positioned to, uh, to, to see this kind of uh, rainfall. And so I, I don't think that I ever was worried that we were going to get a lot of rain. It was like, is our forecast, uh, d- does it convey the threat? Yeah. You know, uh, 30 inches to some might mean uh, water to their front yard. 30 inches to others might be water to their roof, yeah. you know? And well, if that's the case, what does 50 inches do? You know, uh, how many more people are going to be impacted that think that they're safe? Oh, we survived Allison. Wasn't that bad in Allison? Well, keep in mind, 35 inches of rain is what one little tiny section of Harris County got in in the northeast part of the county. The entire county, every square inch, whether it's from Hockley to Pasadena to Spring to Kingwood, all the way down towards Sugar Land, every square inch of Harris County and Harvey got at least 20 inches of rain. The county averaged 33.7 inches of rain. It's, it's a stunning amount. That That is the thing that sticks in my mind was watching TV and, you know, with all the colors, like you said, the kaleidoscope, but there were no colors because everything was white because everything was over 20 inches. I've never seen that much of 20 inches of rain in, in, in Harris County. And, you know, well, we ran out of ways to, to show it on TV. We ran out of colors. <laughs> do you think, and this is, you know, you hear a lot of things, but do you think that that 50 inches would have possibly created a a sense of panic. I I just think that it was so overwhelming that we ran out of ways to calmly and professionally describe what we were really facing. Because I don't think we really knew either. I mean, you can have an idea, you know, but... I, I didn't know what 30 inches of rain would do. Well, even a model's never a model's based on uh, historical data, right? So right, and, and not only that. I mean, look, I was always told you never ever predict extremes. Don't mm. you don't get up there and predict a bunch of records. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we thought, wow, you know, 30 inches of rain. I mean, that's still going to be a really big flood, you know. But 50 inches, really? I mean, is that possible? Is this convective feedback? Is it? That's where I struggled conveying the message of just how bad this was really going to be because there was no precedent for it. Yeah, because you're you're right. Um, You can be in one place and get 20 inches of rain and nothing. We were, my wife and I were, we were very fortunate. We were in Katy. We were in that place and friends only a mile from us. They were right behind the dam. Oh, yeah. And their house, you know, two story house first floor underwater we we had some extra room and fortunately we were able to accommodate you know short term them staying but i thought how fortunate we were to be where we were 100 
100 uh, my wife's an engineer so she checked it was 106 feet above um, uh, sea level there but just the way the drainage was set up and all that you know and but and, and here's really here's yeah. now i'm gonna blow your socks off so i talked to the state climatologist john nielsen gammon at texas a&m and he said that believe it or not harvey actually moved faster than forecast and he said, had the storm moved as was predicted, which was at a slower pace, slower. <laughs> I mean, the storm was stalled for three days, but if it had moved at a slower pace as forecast, um, John Nielsen Gammon says that there are some areas of Southeast Texas that would have exceeded 80 inches of rain. Now keep in mind, the highest total in Harris County was about 50 in Harris County. Right. Can you imagine 80? I can't imagine Inches? 50. Right. So Houston, believe it or not, dodged a bullet. Yeah. And it sounds it sounds silly, right? But had the had the bulk of the rain that fell over the Golden Triangle, the big thicket out towards Beaumont, where uh, Nederland picked up 60.58 inches of rain. Can you imagine had that been centered over I-10 and 45 in the, in the heart of Harris County? So yeah, as bad as it was, and it was, I mean, it was off the charts. I mean, Harvey, I think, has broken every water record there is except one. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, how much worse Harvey could have been. Yeah. You know, uh, so it, I, I thought it was stunning. I mean, we it, Harris, just speaking for Harris and Galveston counties, 300,000 homes and businesses destroyed, 1 million cars destroyed, 1 trillion gallons of water falling just over Harris County. Just Harris County, a trillion gallons. How much water is that? Enough water to go over Niagara Falls for 15 straight days. There was 20 trillion gallons of water just in the state of Texas. How much water is that? Enough to cover the entire state of Arizona to a foot deep. There was 24 and a half trillion gallons of water over Texas and Louisiana. There was enough water just in 50,000 square miles of Southeast Texas to supply the entire United States water needs for 280 days. Think about that, 280 days. Almost a full year. So it's really, you know, I think um, Brian Norcross said it best in his book. You know, when, when you tell these kind of stories, you run the risk of underselling it. You run the risk of maybe uh, not really setting a clear picture of just how catastrophic and off the charts it was. And inevitably, somebody out there is going to have a story that's even more extreme and more incredible than even the story I'm telling. I mean, really, you can't grasp what we went through unless you were here for it. I mean, you could see it in pictures. But um, essentially, Houston was like this... Uh, the, the, another great lake with buildings sticking out of it. Now, and, you know, for those that are listening who aren't from here, the entire county was not underwater. Right. But 500,000 homes and businesses within the region destroyed. 500,000. That's bigger than most medium-sized cities. Yeah. Right. And uh, 300,000 just in Harris and Galveston counties alone. A million cars destroyed. Mm. Um, in fact, there's a picture in my book that you'll see uh, of an aerial photo of a uh, Texas World Speedway up yeah. along Highway 6, you know? Yeah. Uh, the entire thing filled up with flooded cars. 
and it's just cars as far as you can see. Wow. And so, according to, uh, I think his name is Bill, uh, Bill, Mit- yeah, I don't want to not think of well anyway yep. <laughs> uh the ceo of the texas world speedway i can't yep. think of his name right off hand uh said there was only about thirty-three thousand cars there so if you think about it thirty-three thousand cars of a million and when you see this picture it's like incredible yeah you know it's cars that go on forever yeah and that's only thirty-three thousand of a million that were wiped out didn't even touch the surface exactly Gosh. yeah i mean taught you know you mentioned allison the only other event I can think that's similar was I think it was Claudette in 79 42 inches of rain in Alvin you know but yeah. it's Alvin it's, I mean it's not populated right. it's not concrete jungle it's 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 just mind boggling to see and you know in Houston we've seen a lot of flood events tax day flood and you know Halloween flood and the 92 flood and all that but but like you said it it, it this was so widespread compared to all those events. So according to Nielsen Gammon, this is a flood uh, that has the return interval of about 9,000 years with today's warmer climate. Uh, If you use the climate of 1900, it's a 27,000 year return interval. Okay. So now you may think, oh, wow, we're not going to see a flood like that again for 9,000 years. It's, it's really more of a percentage, right? So you, you divide that by, you know, one divided by 9,000, multiply by 100. That's the percentage uh, that it could return in any given year, which comes out to like 0.00067 or something. I mean, it's, it's so infinitesimally small that we could see a flood like that again. But you know what? It nearly happened two years later. Remember Tropical Storm Imelda? Yeah. 40 plus inches of rain and portions of chambers in, in Jefferson yeah. counties out there towards Beaumont. Yeah. So, you know, statistics is kind of a, a funny thing. You know, it's like my parents used to say, there's three types of lies in the world, Blake. Lies, damn lies, and statistics, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, so be careful with the statistics because just because something is infinitesimally small, like the like seeing a storm like Harvey again in our lifetime, yeah. it is still possible, and it nearly happened just two years later. That's incredible, and it's kind of the same scenario. Uh, people get confused about like insurance being in a hundred year flood plain. No, it doesn't mean once every hundred years. It could happen Monday, Wednesday, the same week. <laughs> it's a one percent chance. It's a percent. Yeah, it's that's a percentage, right. Yeah, and, and you know what's interesting? Speaking of insurance, is that uh, according to Jeff Lindner. Uh, 64% of all the homes flooded in Southeast Texas had no flood insurance. Crazy, especially for as cheap as it is. Yeah, it's it's so cheap. And it's not just severe weather either that you should have it for. Right. I mean, especially here, you know, I mean, a city that continues to grow. I think we're adding 120,000 people a year. Yeah. I mean, the homes and the concrete and just, you know, the impermeable surfaces that are just spreading over an area that... We couldn't handle the rain 200 years ago. I mean, think about this. When the Allen brothers got here in August of 1836, okay, they knew they had a problem, okay, but they were they were very shrewd, okay? So it, to sell this place, they said, oh, come see our beautiful spring water. It, it, they called it handsome and beautifully elevated, okay? I don't know if you've ever been to Houston for all those that are listening, but handsome is not how I would describe the place or beautifully elevated. Yeah, yeah. Some of the mosquitoes may be handsome because they're so large. Yeah, I mean, they've got landing gear. Okay? Yeah, I mean, yeah. These things are yeah, huge, right? Exactly. So they knew they had a problem. Yeah. 200 years ago, they knew they had a problem with water. 
And uh, it's, it's, been a, it's been an issue ever since. I mean, there was a huge flood that went through downtown Houston. I can't remember the year, it was in the 1930s. Hmm. And that's when they built the Addison Barker Reservoirs yeah. to control the water going down Buffalo Bayou. Yeah. But even those became overwhelmed. And for the first time in history, well, since they were built, uh, they experienced water upstream going into homes yeah you know even the even those reservoirs had overflowed and water uncontrollably going around one of the spillways yeah so man when i tell you we had water and you just you just can't fathom the water we had we'll be right back Properties. Pitney Properties provides real estate services to buyers and sellers located in and around the Houston area. Having been raised in Texas, LaVon Pitney is incredibly well-versed in the area's housing market and always manages to find her clients those hidden gems that other agents tend to overlook. LaVon's relentless style and integrity allow her to hold client satisfaction at her highest priority. She works hard to make the entire home buying and selling experience as as productive and enjoyable as possible. Whether her clients are first-time buyers or seasoned investors, LeBon works tirelessly to accommodate their needs and exceed their expectations. To learn more about LeBon's real estate services, please don't hesitate to call her today at 713-805-8871. That's 713-805-8871. Or contact LeBon at sold at pitneyproperties.com. mentioned uh, Jeff Lindler and um, I, I remember a lot of the TV coverage you know he obviously did an outstanding job because he's he's a meteorologist but he's not a broadcast and he was on a lot and a lot of it was talking about Attic Dam that you just mentioned and for those of you that don't know Attic Dam like Blake referred to was built to keep water from flooding the city uh, but back in 1945 I think and I think the max capacity is 109 or 10 feet, something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. And, then, and then at the time in 2017 during Har Harvey, it was almost to the top. And correct me if I'm wrong, but what the county was struggling with was whether to release the water or not. Because, right. yeah, if, if they didn't, and the dam was under construction, so there might have been some weak point. They were trying to refurbish it. And if they didn't, it could burst and you could have a Jonestown type tragedy. But if they did, they were about to flood a very, you know, the energy corridor. So I guess you could say you were damned if you do and damned <laughs> if you don't, right? <laughs> Boom, <rim> exactly. <laughs> you know, and one thing I did not know is that the, uh, so we, we, you know, we've had a number of floods here and some of them, uh, like the tax day flood, for example, yeah. uh, I did not realize Jeff Leonard told me that the, uh, reservoirs were in trouble then as well too. Mm. I didn't know we had had that much rain. Yeah. I guess it was centered just over the the western part of the county. But Harvey 
was the second time that those uh, reservoirs had been in serious trouble. And it's the only time that they got so full that it was uh, water had actually gone around the dams, the, the spillways, and it was an uncontrollable release of water. I mean, they, we were in serious trouble. I mean, you're right. Had those, had that spillway bust open, you know, and it, I mean, there's no telling, yeah. you know, I mean, obviously it would have rushed down Buffalo Bayou, but I mean, the homes and the businesses that lie in Allen Parkway all the way into downtown Houston, I mean, it would have been a flood never before seen. Yeah. I will never forget going down I-10 and uh, the, the great folks over in Louisiana that came to help us with their boats and everything. They're, the Cajun Navy. The Cajun Navy. Yeah. There, yeah. I couldn't think of the name. That's right. There were so many of them in that area right there at I-10 and Eldridge. And I just remember looking over there, just kind of like what you described. It just... I see this every day, and but it's a lake today. It is, yeah, it is. There's just water everywhere you look. Do you remember seeing that picture of uh, water on I-10? That it, you, the waves that were on it, 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 it looked like it, it looked like an ocean, like the white caps yes. on I-10. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you, you couldn't see the barrier in the middle. You couldn't see any concrete. It was just this this picture of just nothing but water yeah and it was i-10 yeah and, it, and all the white caps that yeah. were on top yep i and i've seen it like that before we've had floods where i-10 just fills up right there mm -hmm. between downtown and 610 and uh, i don't know what event it was but there was a famous picture of a uh, emergency crew on top of a school bus pulling somebody out and that, wow i have yeah, not seen that yeah and then uh, my wife at the time she was working downtown and I-10 was filled up and they were, she was on a city bus and mm. trying to take it home. And they said, Hey, this is as far as we can go, you know, sorry, but y'all are on your own. And, and she was like walking in chest deep water, holding her purse above her head. Oh and, my gosh. That, that was, you know, um, on the feeders. And yeah, that's, that's not a good area to be in when we get 20 inches of rain. Big in Southeast Texas is not a good place to be in when you get any well, rain. You know, I mean, a true. broken sprinkler system puts this place underwater. Uh, you know, what's interesting is that I wrote a, a part in my book about, I, I remember being on my way to work that morning, well, 12, 30, 1 o'clock. And man, I mean, it was just sheets of rain. I mean, it was raining so hard by windshield wipers, even on high, was just sloshing water. Couldn't, mm. couldn't make heads or tails of anything. Yeah. And cars were coming at me in, in, on the opposite side of the freeway. They were headed northbound in the southbound lanes. And yeah. the reason why, they were turning around because the, the freeway was underwater. And, you know, they're blowing their horns, you know, trying to alert me of the danger ahead and I thought why in the heck are all these people on the road mm. you know and it was the uh Mayweather McGregor fight that night that Saturday night that that was taking place in Vegas and and what had happened I don't know if you remember that Saturday you know the hurricane made landfall on Friday mm -hmm. and it rained a little bit on Saturday but not much I think mm. it was uh four tenths of an inch at Bush Airport and just shy of an inch and a half at Hobby, mm. okay, on, on that Saturday. And mm. I guess people thought that was the big show. Yeah. You know? It. Wrong again, you know? <laughs> Here comes Harvey bouncing down 59. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, the, you know, we pay these people wide, you know, wrong again. And um, so not much had happened that day. And I guess people carried on business as usual. They went to the restaurants. They went to whatever to watch these, this fight. And between seven and about nine o'clock, that's when all hell broke loose. Yeah. And I, I just remember that theater band that had formed and it was just as red as it could be on the radar. 
and it, it was just on a train track from Galveston right into downtown Houston. Mm. And Houston was its grand central. And I mean, that thing did not move one inch to the east or west, just north and south. I mean, just right over Harris County. And that's, that's really when it began. And uh, the first flash flood emergency, I think, was issued around 941 in the evening. We had 10 flash flood emergencies, 62 flash flood warnings, 157 tornado warnings, which was more tornado warnings issued in a four-day period than the Houston Galveston office had issued in the previous five years combined. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Yeah, because we were on that northeast quadrant, so... That's... And, by the way, the longest tornado watch issued as well in U.S. history. We we were under a tornado watch for four straight days, 96 oh, hours. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Yeah. that. That's very interesting. So, I mean, there's a... Uh, and, of course, I write about all this in my book, but, I mean, it got to a point to where we just, we just quit reporting on it. Yeah. I mean, the tornado warnings were coming in so fast and so many. I mean, we had four, five, six, seven of them active at one time. You just, there's just no way yeah. you, know, you just say, look, it's an area wide emergency. Mm. And that's one of the things that David kind of taught me, you know, David is so smart and yeah. he's, he was such a great mentor. I've been lucky to work for a lot of great chief meteorologists or have friends that are chief meteorologists, you know, shout out to Frank Billingsley's, you know, <laughs> uh, shout out to John gone in, uh, Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Mike Clay, Bay news nine in Tampa. Uh, so I, I've worked with a lot of really good meteorologists and, but you know, David was on the air when Rita powered up into a category five hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico, pressure 895, 180 mile an hour winds. And, and I remember nudging him one day. I said, David, how do you, how do you handle that? You know, I mean, that's like doomsday, <laughs> yeah. you know, for any area, it doesn't matter. Right. And he's, he laughed. He said, you know, you just get up there and tell them what you see, you know, here's what we know and here's what we don't, you know, yeah. we're watching it. Yeah. And, um, I needed his guidance because Harvey was my Rita moment. Yeah. One of those, Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and you only get a handful of those in your whole career. Some yeah. people maybe never get it at all. Yeah. You know, and this was my, Oh my God, you yeah. know, but you can't get up there and, you know, act hysterical. I mean, your credibility would go out the window, Yeah. you know, but deep down you're like, Oh my God, you know, what yeah. do I tell these people? I'm always, kind of fascinating chuckle a little bit when there's a, a big weather event going on i'll get on facebook and i'll watch the meteorologists do their facebook lives and the questions that people ask it's like you know it's <laughs> you, you could say yeah we're, we're seeing uh, possibly 30 inches here well is it you know, rain in league city you know they want to know what it's <laughs> going to do or should i not go to work tomorrow you know they're asking you specific questions about their life and you know it, but all you can do is talk to millions of people i think and, that's a failure in our society to be honest with you mm. um why do you need the mayor to tell you to evacuate if there's a major hurricane coming if, if you live in galveston county you know or if you live on the island why do you need to wait for somebody to tell you what to do i mean if i had a family and i'm living off broadway you know and rita is headed my way i'm gone yeah and i'm not waiting for somebody to tell me yeah. you know what i mean um, you know, I, I think that some people need to take, you know, kind of things into their own hands sometimes. I mean, look, I mean, if, if the weatherman is saying we're going to get 40 inches of rain, probably not a good idea to go to work that day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I can think of is that people that have lived down there a long time, oh, I've been through this storm, I've been through this storm, and I've been through this storm, I'm fine. 
And that's and they're also the ones that are on their sense, roof looking yeah. for a Coast Guard helicopter to rescue them. <laughs> all sense of security right there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, they end up costing uh, taxpayers a lot of money and, you know, because they have to send these rescue crews out to get them and they're risking their lives trying to save them. And, yeah, it's a mess. And, um, yeah, so Ike, Rita... I mean, we've had some big ones. Come and, and, and that's the thing. I mean, people who have just moved here or, or people who lived here, you know, for, for Harvey and they're not from here and they think, man, we survived a big hurricane. Yeah. You survived a big flood. Yeah. You survived a big category five flood. If certain things were ranked, if, if floods were ranked, it would have been a category five. No doubt about it. Yeah. But true hurricane, severe hurricane conditions in Houston has not occurred in many, 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 many years. Alicia, you know, but severe hurricane conditions, you'd have to go back a very long time. I mean, 1915 was the last direct hit of a category four hurricane on this stretch of coast. So as bad as Harvey was, as bad as Ike was, as bad as Alicia was, it could be far worse. I mean, if, Worst case, Category 5, west end of Galveston Island, San Luis Pass, moving northwest, 12, 14 knots. So it's booking. Yeah. And the eye crosses just west of downtown Houston. It, it's, it's frightening. I mean, we're talking about unprecedented wind damage. Yeah. No. And that, that's a good point because 1950, well, go back to the 1900 storm. Worst natural disaster in American history. You have, you know, what, six to 10,000 people um, perish in, in Galveston. Then they build the seawall. Then the 1915 storm comes and still 400. That's or so, right. But, you know, it wasn't tens of thousands. Well, that's because the seawall saved a lot of the lives right. that time. But, but think about the population then and now. Yeah. I mean, Houston in 1900, I think the population was 40,000. Really? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, Galveston, maybe around 50,000. Yeah. No. Uh, but now you're talking about seven and a half million yeah. in the Houston Galveston region. So, yeah, I mean, it's look, it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Our yeah. geographic location guarantees a catastrophic hurricane hit at some point. Yeah. And replace Houston with Miami. Right. Or New Orleans. Tampa you know, Bay. Andrew, Andrew hit the homestead. Right. I mean, my dodged a bullet on that one mm -hmm. in New Orleans. You know, Katrina takes a little bit more of a westerly course and they get on that northeast side. You know, it's not it's not Mississippi coastline that's getting its, you know, levees breaking and exactly. the catastrophic winds for a major city. I, I remember um, Alicia um, and the glass just was everywhere downtown just the windows were just popping out so i did some research on that and back then the building codes when they because the downtown houston skyline as we know it today most of that 80 percent of it was built within a three or four year window and, and from like 1979 through about 1983 that's when most of those buildings you see were built and the big boom, I mean, the Chase Tower, the Wells Fargo building, the, the big green one, the Enron buildings, uh, mo the, 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 the pink, the gothic looking one, you know, uh, Bank of America building. All of those were built 1981, 82, Pennzoil Plaza built in like 78 or 79. So 
they the the roofs of those buildings had gravel so that they they weren't smooth like they are today and alicia is 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 the hurricane that caused them to change the building codes but when alicia came through you know you're up seven eight nine hundred feet those buildings are about seven eight hundred feet tall i mean you're almost a full category higher wind wise at that level than you are at the surface so if alicia was maybe you had category one by the time the eye came over downtown Houston, maybe a low end two. Well, it was like a low end three, mid three at that at that height. Yeah. You know, so it picked up the, the the gravel and that's I mean, it was like a firing range. Yeah. You know, and that's why we lost so many windows in downtown Houston. But you know, the same thing happened in Hurricane Ike to the Chase building. Remember the the east side of that building mm-hmm. lost forty stories of windows. I mean, there wasn't a single window pane left in that building. From forty store, from about the fortieth floor all the way to the to the ground. But what's interesting is that hardly one single window was lost above forty stories. From forty to seventy five, all the windows remained intact. And they thought, well, that is very peculiar. You know, what could have caused that? And what they think now, I don't know for sure, but what they think is that the Calpine Center, which is a thirty five ish story building, sits directly across the street uh, from the Chase Tower. Uh, caused a funneling effect of uh, uh, of the wind and caused the pressure to lower and therefore sucked the glass out. It didn't blow it in. It pulled it out, mm. which is why all the streets were littered with glass. Mm. Interesting. Interesting, right? Yeah. 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 Well, I remember you mentioned Enron. The Enron build, building got hit by a tornado, and I, I don't... Did it? Yeah. I don't remember what year, but same thing. The glass just came flying I did not out. know that. Yeah. And, you know, it's rare for a tornado. It's probably, you know, like what we get around here, F-Zero, F-1, something like that. Right. Or, excuse me, EF. But, um, but yeah, it knocked out a few panes of glass in the Enron building. Huh. Yeah. I, I don't remember what year it was, but, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, is this your first book that you've written, Blake? First book. Yeah. What was that like for you? uh, Therapeutic. So actually, you know, not to get into too much detail, but it Mm. was uh, really sort of uh, uh, dealing with grief uh, that completely unrelated Mm. that I sat down one night and I just had to redirect my attention um, from something personal that had happened. Mm. And, uh, you know, you get into these crying spells and just think the world is ending and um, I just, I, I desperately needed something to refocus my attention. I thought, you know what? I've got a story to tell. You know, there's 40 people in the whole world that were inside KHOU when we went under. Mm. You know, nobody else can tell that story. I mean, yeah. there's 7 million people in Houston that can tell a Harvey story, but they can't tell my Harvey story. You know, and I just started writing one night and it sort of kind of took on a life of its own. And I realized, you know what? This is therapeutic and I like it. You know, and it, you, you let your imagination Rome and, and now five years later, of course, this August is, is five years, you know, I'm getting older. Okay. <laughs> it's hard all? to recall some things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, just sitting there, uh, getting the order the sequence of events correct was actually one of the harder parts. You know, it's like, Oh, I remember when this happened, but wait, did this happen before that? Hmm. You know, and then you're, you're going back and you're thinking and, you know, then having to move paragraphs around and rewrite and, and, and restructure your book. But overall, I thought it was a really, really great experience. And it's, it's uh, at the publisher now. It'll be uh, ready for pre-order July 25th and oh, okay. on the shelf August 1st. So 
we'll put all that information on the Eurocrom website. Too. Oh, good. Yeah, good deal. Absolutely. Um, but you know, going back to Harvey, you know, it was such an interesting week. I grew up in a hurry that week, you know, going from sort of an amateur, you know, meteorologist, like, Oh, you know, chance of rain today, 80 <laughs> degrees tomorrow, back to you, you know, to man, what I say really matters. This is life or death. And you know, when I, when I when I thought about that sentence, you know, people hushing a room when I came on TV, there's no doubt that that happened. And whether it was for me or any other meteorologist, I was the most important person on TV at that moment. And um, you know, it's it's big shoes to fill. It's a big responsibility, and it takes a certain level of maturity to pull it off. And um, the good news is, I don't think I'm going to face anything worse. <laughs> I mean, God willing. Yeah. But, um, you know, that week, it just started off so differently than it ended. Um, it <laughs> was say. hot. It was yeah. pretty. I mean, the sky was what we call severe clear, you know, with that eclipse that came over. Mm. And you know what's interesting is I was doing my research here that, uh, you know, I I don't, not to get too theolo- theological and getting into, you know, spooky signs or whatever but you know there are some teachings that say that the uh, that a blood moon or a lunar eclipse is a sign for israel but a lunar or a uh, solar eclipse a sign in the sun is a warning to the gentile nations oh wow how about that and it's like hmm they had a lot of truth that week (laughs) yeah like was the sun trying to tell me something you know yeah so but we had the eclipse and just the fact that nobody really paid attention to Harvey. It was a foregone conclusion. It was going to Mexico. But as I like to say, you know, these things are never, ever really dead until they're really, really dead. Right. (laughs) Right. And especially in late August, as we saw. And, you know, as as the days were were going, you know, from Monday into Tuesday into Wednesday, and it was getting more and more dire, the rainfall amounts uh, and the models were were building up and up. and, And by Friday, the hurricane hit, and it was like a everybody was holding their breath on Fridays. Like, Okay, now what? Yeah. You know, and then by Saturday, still not much had happened here, and we were getting emails at the stations like, "Oh, you know, from the armchair quarterbacks, you know, the Monday morning quarterback." Sure. Well, I could have told you it wasn't going to do nothing. <laughs> you know, I mean, we got emails like that. Yes. You know, and um, yeah, and and then it just man, around seven or eight o'clock that night on Saturday, it just unleashed a, a torrent of water that I had just have never seen. I mean, think about this. We had 6.8 inches of rain. So nearly seven inches of rain in one hour along Clear Creek in Friendswood. Seven inches of rain in one hour. 25 inches of rain in 24 hours. 47 inches of rain, I think, in four days. So we had nearly an, the annual amount of rainfall, one year's worth of rainfall in four days. And, and most most of Harris County. Yeah. I was going to say in such a widespread area that that was the thing that just kept sticking in my mind is it, it wasn't an Alvin with 42 or Northeast Houston with 34. It was so widespread. And I read something, there was something about the, the entire area sinking an inch or two. Yeah. Uh, two centimeters, one inch. Mm. Can you believe that? That, I mean, so we're talking about water being eight, eight pounds per gallon, a trillion gallons just in Harris County, approximately eight trillion pounds of water weight. 
24 and a half trillion pounds of water weight over Texas and Louisiana. Yeah, enough to flex the earth down at least an inch. It's stunning. Well, <laughs> um, so evacuations. Um, did y'all talk about that much or was it too late by then or? You know, evacuations in this area are very tricky. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You know, there's only a, a handful of areas along the entire U.S. coast that are hurricane prone mm. that have the population that we do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Houston, Tampa Bay, Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Then you have to get all the way up into the Northeast, yeah. you know, before you. So there's only very select pockets where it's densely populated. Yeah. You know, storm surge is the reason why we evacuate. You, they, they say you run from the water, you hide from the wind. You know, if wind was the killer, there would be thousands of fatalities in South Florida. Yeah. You know, Hurricane Andrew was probably the worst wind event damage-wise I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, we're talking entire neighborhoods just left in splinters from, you know, South Miami through Coral Gables into Homestead. You know, uh, Tamiami Airport being wiped out. Uh, the zoo. In fact, I was reading an article. I don't know if there's any truth to this, so you know, take this for for what it's worth. But you know, the reason why they have such a python problem in the Everglades is because of Andrew. That so many homes were decimated, including the Miami Zoo. That a lot of those animals, including the snakes, got loose ah. and became wild. Now I don't know that. Yeah. I, I just read that, but I, just, I thought it was very sense. interesting. I thought it was very interesting. Yeah. I don't know if enough time has gone by since Andrew to, you know, populate 10,000 yeah. pythons in the Everglades. I don't know. But, um, but as far as evacuations go, you know, we saw what happened when we, a, a big evacuation was ordered in 2005 with Rita. Yeah. And, and understandably that, you know, nerves were frazzled. Hurricane Katrina had just hit a month prior. Uh, we saw the devastation in New Orleans. And of course, we had a lot of, we had a, what, 150,000 people come here. Remember the Astrodome? Of course. Uh, that they were all yeah. stationed in the Astrodome. So we had a lot of people influx here from the New Orleans area. Well, here comes Rita a month later. It's even stronger than Katrina, if you can believe that. Category five, 180 mile an hour winds, pressure sub 900. Katrina only got to 902. I say only. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> only. <laughs> yeah. You know, but. You know, here comes Rita at 895, you know, and, and Houston at the time was in the dead center of the cone. Yeah. I mean, we could not have been any more center. Yeah. Of course, as we like to say in the weather office, you know, the safest place to be is dead center of the cone three days out. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, I digress. And there was just this massive evacuation, three and a half million people leaving Harris County. And, uh, you know, they did do contraflow, but it was too late. Uh, you know, the travel times to Dallas were 36 to 40 hours. Uh, you know, there's a famous picture. You Google uh, Hurricane Rita evacuation and you'll see it. It was a picture taken at the Woodlands Parkway and I-45. Uh, both sides of I-45 headed outbound and just a wall of cars all the way to the horizon line. Yeah. And um, so all that to say is evacuations here are extremely tricky. They are triggered because of storm surge, not because of wind. And Harvey was neither one of those for Houston. We always knew this was going to be a flood threat, not a wind or a surge threat. So calling for an evacuation just was not feasible. There was nothing on the books. There was no way to, 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 to facilitate something that large, that quick. Um, and, and who? Who do you evacuate? I mean, right. um, 
I, I just I just don't think it was feasible. Yeah. Well, we definitely learned an unfortunate lesson with the evacuation of Rita. I, I remember that too. Um, I woke up about two or three in the morning and the TV was still on and I looked and there was all these taillights and I thought, oh, they're showing a, a rerun of the 10 o'clock news. No, that was a live shot. Yeah, that was a live shot. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? But um, yeah, there, there were a lot of fatalities because of that evacuation. So you got to be very careful, right? Well, yeah, the bus blew up there in Dallas. Right, uh, 24 that, people from a, a nursing home. A nursing home. home. Yeah, 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 very tragic. I but, remember yeah. um, the amount of cars that were abandoned. It looked like the rapture had happened. Yeah. I mean, because remember, there was a gas shortage, you know, and astronomical gas prices, like a dollar fifty at the time, okay? <laughs> <laughs> insane. It was insane, okay? Yeah. And um, there was no gas. And cars were overheating. That that's the reason why that bus blew up. Is yeah. the brakes overheated? Oh, okay. caught fire. And of course, mm. it was a it was a bus full of elderly folks that had mm. oxygen tanks and this oh, and that. And gosh. of course, it was like a, sitting on a bomb. Yeah, you know? yeah. Over a hundred people died in that evacuation. So number one, it's 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 expensive to do. It's dangerous to do. And when you're dealing with a population as as big as ours is, uh, I just really don't think it's feasible because inevitably if you do call one you're going to have what they call shadow evacuation which is exactly what we had during Rita you have people that are fleeing that don't have to yeah you know now my family's guilty of that as well we live up in the spring woodlands area well let me tell you if you get a category 5 hurricane moving up I-45 the way Rita was expected to do it would be terrifying even in the woodlands, you know, you're talking oh, yeah. category three, Yeah, you know, easily. Yeah. Tremendous damage. Of course, all the, the pine trees up there, you know. Yeah. Um, so my parents left. We're like, we ain't staying here for that. Yeah. You know, but it took us nine hours to get from the woodlands to Livingston during Rita. So inevitably, if you call an evacuation, you're going to have shadow evacuation. And, you know, they, they tried to stagger it to where it's like, okay, during Rita said, we're going we're gonna to call the evacuation first for Galveston. Then we're going to call it for, you know, inland Galveston County, then Southeast Harris County, and then eventually getting up into like northern portions of Brazoria County or, or, or whatever. But the minute somebody hears evacuation, you know, order goes out the window. Yeah. You know, people get out, you know. Yeah. I know my wife at the time, my kids were young at the time, uh, younger and, and, uh, I was living in, in Katy, and she and her family was in Dallas. And she said, "I'm going to take the kids, and I'm going to go to Dallas." And I said, well, "I'm not." Um, you know, plus I, <laughs> I love severe weather, so yeah, you know, oh, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not missing oh, yeah. that. And uh, I don't know. She left eight or nine at, at night, and and got home. Uh, you know, I said I was up watching TV. One, one reason I was uh, I got up is because she she woke me up. She was back home. I said, "What are you doing back home?" And she goes you haven't seen what it's like out there? And I said, well, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at it on TV now. And she goes, I said, how far did you make it? Now this is from Katie. She goes, we made it to clay and highway six, <laughs> six hours. And, and I'm like, you're kidding me. And she goes, yeah, it's, it's really bad. And I, the other reason I didn't leave too is, um, I felt Katie was a little bit on the, weaker side i i felt mm. like most of it was gonna you know be in central i mean still get you know we still got strong winds and all that but i didn't think it, we were in too much danger right there but man what a what a lesson that that we learned about evacuations from that storm and, and, and it's a lesson that has probably already long been forgotten yeah 
you know, oh, read, yeah. it, read it now has been tw- 20 years almost. It's uh, 05, 15, 25. Yeah. So coming up on 20 years, God, that's amazing. which is amazing. Yeah. Right? I remember that like yesterday. Yeah. So look at look how many people have moved here since 2005. I mean, almost 2 million more people. Yeah. million people per decade. Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, th- those lessons are out the window. Yeah. You know? And uh, look, I just think as we saw in Harvey, there are some things you cannot prepare for. Yeah. You know, you just have to do the best you can with what you got. And we hold our breath, you know, every every hurricane season from June until September. Now, what's interesting is that hurricane season runs until November 30th. But I say tongue in cheek, this kind of off the record between you, I, and everybody listening. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> that our hurricane season in Texas pretty much ends the third week of September. Yeah. You know, after that, it's very difficult to get a storm this far west. And the reason why is because the cold fronts start rolling through. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Dr. Neil Frank used to say the average time for the first cold front is around September 22nd. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that Rita came in on September 22nd, 23rd, 23rd, 24th, and it was actually a cold front that spared us. Mm. You know, and if you remember after that, it was cool, mm. lows in the 50s, highs in the 70s, it was beautiful. Yeah. And um so yeah, and, and it was it was a cold front that spared us in Hurricane Ike as well. Wow. Sep- Ike hit on September the 13th. Mm. And um, Ike kind of jogged just right up through Galveston Bay. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. instead of cutting just to the west of Galveston Bay to put Houston on the eastern eye wall, mm. uh, we got the western eye wall. Mm. Kind of a little bit of a, the weaker side. Mm-hmm. And um, it was after that, it was nice and cool. Yeah. And, and it was, it, the weather was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have power for a month. I don't know if you remember that. But um, I mean, some people, two, three weeks went by before they got power back. But it, it, the windows were open. It was so nice. But so anyway, that's why I say that is the Texas hurricane season generally ends right around the end of September. Now, you do have a few flukes. Hurricane Jerry in 1989, you know, came in October 16th. Mm. But if you look at all the October hurricane strikes on Texas, you could probably count them on one hand. Yeah. It's very rare. Yeah. And if we get anything in June at the beginning of the season, it seems to be like shrimpy. Tro- yes, tropical storms. <laughs> shrimpy storms. Exactly. Well, that's what they look like on satellite. Yeah. You know, all the storms and everything are on the east side. Yeah. They're sheared. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And uh, they're just wet yeah man i remember in alicia august 19th i think 1983 and we lost power for five days and you know i was 21 at the time and uh, you know i felt like i could take anything but uh, of course fascinated with weather at the time and i remember that the strongest winds were about two in the morning Mm. and i was scared Mm -hmm. it was so loud and but the next uh over the next five days um, I don't know, second or third night, just waking up and just sweat and I couldn't stand anymore. So I jumped on my bike, I grabbed a bottle of shampoo. I rode over to an apartment. Complex. I thought you were going to say champagne. I thought that a boy. <laughs> well, I, I would have, but it would have been warm. You know? There was nothing to keep it but I hopped a fence and I jumped in the pool and got that shampoo and, and, uh, you know, I felt good for about five minutes because I started sweating again, but man, that, that, no AC after the storm. What what was the the aftermath of Harvey like for you, Blake? Uh, so we left KHOU. When we went down the fire escape, there was probably three feet of water already on the first floor. And uh, I can remember uh, our news director, she said, uh, 
get your things. We're out of here. We're out of here. We got to go. We got to leave. We're out of here. I mean, it was just like, you know, you, you could sense the urgency. We got to go. We got to go. Get your stuff. We're out of here. Let's go. And it's like, crap. Okay, yeah. we got we got to get out of here. Yeah. Fire alarms are going off. You can hear, I mean, water, I'm telling you, is literally pouring through every door, every window, out of the ceiling. It, it was everywhere. And so we, we had to get out. We went down the fire escape. And here we are. We splash our way out of the bayou up to, behind the station. And we didn't have to go very far to get to dry ground because, like I said, we were built on the rim of the bayou. So we walked actually to the Federal Reserve mm. a few blocks over. Mm-hmm. And I, of course, my first thought was, where's the loot in this place? You know, (laughs) (laughs) I want to know where the, where the goods are, you know? (laughs) And, uh, I mean, this place was heavily fortified. Yeah. I mean, like Fort Knox. Mm -hmm. And now I know why, because I did some research on it because I wanted to know where the loot was. Sure. Yeah. Apparently it's the second largest currency depository in the country. I mean, billions and billions of dollars is stored there. I didn't know that. Wow. So they, they take us into a loading dock. The counter heads make sure we're all there. Of course, you know, we're dripping wet and just like, what the hell just happened? You yeah, know? yeah. So they took us up through a, a series of corridors into this huge conference room, and we sat. And there's a picture. Um, I don't know if maybe you could put it on your website. But, oh, absolutely, yeah. But uh, Oh, well, here's, here's a picture, yeah. first off. I, this I just, totally expect to get... Uh, a lot of pictures from. So me. this was da- <laughs> this was David Paul. We, we, took, we took that picture. That is a great picture. Yeah. Wow. And, and I'll send these to you. Yeah, so yeah, that that was that's as, great. That was as Harvey was making landfall. But there, there's another picture of us sitting in this um, this Federal Reserve building, and of course, we you know we were wiped out. I mean, oh. we had we had no computers. We had nothing yeah. uh, except just to sit there. And we're like, okay, well, now what? Okay, here's that picture, by the way. So that's inside the Federal Reserve. You can see the exhaustion. Yeah. You know, we're just sitting there like, yeah. now what? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, wow. I'll, I'll send this to you to put on the website. That's great. But yeah. that's when we really learned the power of social media. I mean, mm. we still had a job to do. You know, we're still a city in crisis. And... We thought we kind of put our heads together and said, okay, well, you know, Cheetah, how many followers do you have on Twitter? Uh, I don't think Instagram was as big back then, five years. Maybe it was, but Twitter and Facebook. Yeah. So, oh, you know, 20, 30,000. You know, David was 20, 30,000. Um, Brooks was the same. Now, here's what's interesting. Do you, um, I posted a video of water pouring through the front doors of KHOU on Twitter. Previous to, uh, to Harvey, if I got something that got eight likes, I mean, that was huge. I mean, I'm like, wow. You know. <laughs> Look out, Sean Mendez. <laughs> okay. I'm going to post that again next week. That yeah, good. exactly. So here I come, baby doll. <laughs> so I post this video of water cascading through our front doors. And I thought I had done something wrong. Because the likes were by 20s and 30s. Every time I'd refresh, it went from 20 to 100 to 200. And I mean, this is like just each refresh. You hit the viral slot machine. Hit the viral (laughs) slot machine. I thought I didn't, I didn't know if I had posted. I don't know what I had posted. Oh, I better double check that post, you know, because obviously it's good. Yeah. 
Yeah. And um, so this video, I think, ended up getting retweeted 8,000 times. <sighs> and I had 5,000 new followers in two hours. <laughs> Crazy, <laughs> right? Wow. So Cheetah and David and Brooks, they've got 20, 30,000. Here I come with my 800. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. but wait a minute, we're up to yeah. 5,800 now. We're storming from the back. <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, I say all that because together we still had a reach of, a hundred thousand people mm. between our Facebook accounts and Twitter. Now, some of those, I'm sure, a lot of those, you know, are the same person that follows us in both locations. Yeah. But um, we did Facebook Live. You know, we'd post stuff to our uh, to our Twitter accounts, and we still had a reach, and yeah. we still had a job to do. It wasn't fancy. Um, we didn't have all the, the the fancy graphics that 13 and Fox had or Channel Two, but we did the best we could with what we had, yeah. and that's when we really realized that, you know. We could still get the message out. Yeah. And, and people were genuinely concerned. Yeah. You know, I mean, here's Brandy. Now, shout out to Brandy Smith. Okay. She is in the middle of the Beltway up near Bush Airport. And she is, out of all the reporters that are fanned out across Houston, she is the only signal left. There's no other way to switch the router to the other signals because the sh the uh, the routers and things were shorting out. Okay, so here is the executive producer and what we call the booth. That's the area where they kind of talk to us in our ears. You know, for me it was always Blake, shut up, rap, rap. <laughs> <laughs> You're burning me. <laughs> Commercial. <laughs> we got bills to pay. For <laughs> what I got to do the seven day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, so here's Brandy Smith. And she's the only signal left standing in the middle of the beltway, which was, she was up on top of a, of a bridge. She, she had water on both sides of her. And she, this was a, like a stagnant, boring live shot. Nothing going on around her at all. The other live shots that we could not take because we, we couldn't get the signal out, you know, helicopters landing in the middle of the highway, you know, high water rescues over here. We couldn't show it. We had no way to get that on the air. So we had to work with what we had. So here Brandy is standing in the middle of her live shot, and she looks over and sees an 18-wheeler and realizes there is somebody in the 18-wheeler. Mm. So you could hear the inflection in her voice going from, yeah, so it's it's still raining, and you know we're still flooded, and oh my God, oh, oh sir, sir, uh, are you okay? And we have this person, and, and he's in this truck, and, and the water's ten feet deep, and you could just hear wow. all of a sudden that the urgency in her in her reporting mm. really became an edge of your seat thriller. Yeah. You know? So long story short, this Harris County Sheriff's Patrol officers uh, rolling by and they're pulling a boat and she flags them down live on the air mm. and says, hey, this guy's stuck in water. You know, she she yelled over at the driver, get on top of your truck, you know, helps on the way. And they did this water rescue live on the air, which was really fantastic. Not, not I mean, just, you know, we saved the guy. She, she sure. helped save the guy, yeah, you know. Absolutely. And she actually ended up on the Ellen DeGeneres show because of that. You know, and, and right? Ellen, wow. Ellen reunited her with the driver and his uh, wife. Wow. That they were all there on the show. And, um, you know, it was a great moment. She, uh, she ended up going to uh, CBS This Morning with Charlie Rose and uh, Nora O'Donnell and uh, Gail King and uh, wow. to, to regale her story. Yeah. So that was really cool. But what's interesting here is she's the only live shot left. So after all that took place, she's standing there and... 
she's talking about what she sees, you know, water on both sides. And all of a sudden her picture begins to flicker and then it froze Mm. color bars. Mm. And that's the name of one of my chapters in the book is 9.52 a.m. Color Bars. Nice. And that was it. Wow. The, the station for the first time in 60 years was completely off the air. The last signal that had tethered us to the outside world had shorted out. And that was it. So when that happened, um, <laughs> here's the, this. This is like crazy world right here. So... <laughs> Brandy is standing in the middle of this highway and the executive producer just says, uh, Brandy, <laughs> tap, 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 Brandy. <laughs> um, we're evacuating. <laughs> um, talk as long as you can. Bye. <laughs> I mean, I laugh, but I mean, could you imagine, could you imagine being told in your ear, talk as long as you can. The station is flooding. We're evacuating. Good luck. Wait, what? <laughs> you know? It, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And to her credit, I mean, she became the embodiment of KHOU. She was KHOU. I mean, she was basically the GM, the news director, the reporter, the meteorologist. She was everything in one. She was the only person left. How long did she stay on the air? I don't remember. Um I don't know when uh, our executive producer told that to her. I just know that she was the only live shot left. Said, "Look, we're evacuating. Talk as long as you can." And did the truck event happen? It after, happened before that. Before that, yep. so <laughs> she's been through that, and now okay, I've got the whole TV station on my shoulders. Right. So we wow. evacuated around nine thirty, mm. and the signal dropped at nine fifty two. Wow. So I mean, at least twenty minutes, maybe at least 20 minutes yeah. uh, because there was nobody, there were no anchors. There were no <clears throat> meteorologists. We had left the building. So she was it. Yeah. And she spoke for 20, 25 minutes, I guess. And, and, and the signal finally dropped out and that was it. Um, so when we left KHOU, we went to the federal reserve. We were there until about five in the evening. And then from there, somehow or another, we took back streets to get to uh, the University of Houston, the PBS station there. And that mm. was our home. Um, mm. I remember. Oh, I do remember that, yeah. We were working on uh, picnic tables and folding chairs. And the producers were building shows on uh, Microsoft Excel and Microsoft Word. This is how they're stacking newscasts, is through Microsoft Word. Wow. That's how they're building, that's how they're typing up shows. And it's all we had. That's all we had until we had reinforcements come in from WFAA in Dallas, which was our sister station at the uh, at the time. Well, it probably still is because I think they're uh, both Cox stations now. Hmm. Um, and they drove a satellite truck down from Dallas. But how they got here is beyond me because, uh, according to Jeff Lindner, at one point, every single freeway, there are 22 freeways in Houston. Every one of them were underwater at the same time. So how they were able to get here, I have no idea, but they did. They did. And that's, and then we were back on the air eight and a half hours later. Incredible. And and shout out to the engineers, by the way, to be able to build a TV station literally with nothing in eight hours. Well, KHOU has some history. I mean, you, you think about, you know, Dan Rather's coverage of Carla. That's right. Yeah. Uh, first station to show a hurricane live on TV via weather radar. 
Yeah, I, I read that story, and and uh, at first he got pushback. They said, "No, don't show that thing coming here. We're going to create a sense of panic." And they finally agreed to. And from what I read, anyway, this this one article, he had cut out the shape of Texas and put it over the radar. I did not know that. To show the relationship, the distance of of the hurricane. And that visualization uh, caused, you know, half a million people to evacuate. So probably saved lives. Interesting. Well, and I think Carla was the largest evacuation up to that time in history. Oh, is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I I remember making a quip uh, after Harvey had come through. I'm a very smart, uh, smart aleck person. Yeah, I'm just very cynical. I don't know why. <laughs> I mean, I guess I just Makes try life to life interesting. Yeah, I guess I just try to find the fun and everything, you know. But I remember saying to David and a couple of other coworkers, I think the assistant news director was standing there, and I said, you know, I don't think God wanted people to live here. <laughs> well, why is that? And I said, well, if you think about it, I said we've got the deadliest hurricane, 1900, the 24-hour rain record, Alvin. Allison, the second costliest hurricane now, Harvey. Mm-hmm. And I said, and if you think about it, the the meteor that wiped out the dinosaurs hit just off the Texas coast. That's and right. Yeah. Chick Club, Mexico. Mexico, yeah. yeah the Yucatan. <laughs> it's like, do you think he's trying to tell us something? Yeah. Not to mention mosquitoes and fire ants, but you know. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, uh, any future meteorologist that's listening, if you want to live in the Houston area, you're going to be a veteran in no time. I mean, think about it. In the five years I lived here, I went through the second costliest hurricane, the biggest flood in 9,000 years, the worst winter storm in at least 32 years, probably more than that. I mean, temperatures two degrees below zero in Dallas, zero in Austin, four in San Antonio, Houston, you know, some areas got down close to zero. Huntsville, I think, got to like three. Mm -hmm. You know, Bush Airport bottomed out at like 13, okay, which... You know, I don't understand because I think Tomball got down to the single digits too. But the point is, I mean, we had like an, inc- I mean, the things that you will see here, I mean, it's, it's really easy to forget, especially if you've never lived anywhere else, how extra the weather really is here. Yeah. Nobody deals with the full spectrum of weather that Houston gets Yeah. from hurricanes to floods to tornadoes, severe weather, heat, drought, ice, snow, everything except a volcano. Yeah, I was going to say, it's almost easier to say what we don't have. Volcanoes, earthquakes, although there's probably some you know low-level earthquakes that we don't always right. feel. And just when you think we don't get the large tornadoes, then we have the 1992. November. Channel View. Yeah, uh, yeah the mini severe season. Uh, yeah, that was, that was in Denver Harbor, I believe, was the neighborhood it wiped out. And uh, I've looked at old damage pictures from that tornado, and, I mean, it is true F4. Now, that yeah. was before the EF scale. Yeah. Um, but I'm talking well-built homes that were just decimated. Yeah. And uh, I've gone to Google Maps, Google Earth, and I've gone to that neighborhood and look around. You can still see driveways where there's nothing there. You wow. can see the driveway, but an empty lot. Yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty frightening. But yeah, Harvey was one of those things that, uh, you know, you, you say that, oh, we'll never see that again. But, you know, just in 21 years, Allison, Harvey... Melda, Ike, you know, so, you know, never is a really long time. Yeah. 
And I just think (laughs) that it's one of those things that uh, Houston, if if you're going to live here, you, you have to be ready and you can't wait around for somebody to tell you to do something. It's your responsibility to have flood insurance. It's your responsibility to make sure, you know, the tree limbs are cut you know, away from the power lines when the storm comes through, yeah. not push your gla- your uh, grass clippings down the drain, yeah. you know, to, to clog it up. You know, all, all these checklists are, are made for a reason. And, you know, it's not real difficult and it's stuff you should do anyway, like prune your trees and, you know, keep loose things away and that. And in 36 hours when we're under a hurricane warning, it's not the time to do all that stuff. Right. Exactly. But, you know, look, I, mean, I think we're all guilty. Um, Sure. It, yeah. That you just think that it won't happen to you. Yeah. And then it does. Yeah. You know, and it happens unexpectedly in an instant. Um, and it, and it could be any situation, you know, it's like, uh, when I was young, the, uh, house down the street from us burned to the ground one night and same thing, you know, you just think it would never, ever happen. Yeah. You know? And then it does. Yeah. Um, and look, I, I, I said a little while ago that Houston's geographic location guarantees a catastrophe. Mm. Is it a matter of when, not if, and yeah. whether that is in the form of wind, whether that's in the flood of water or, or something else, it's like, it's, it's coming like that's your warning. Mm. I don't know if it's going to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be 20 years from now, but you know, if you think about it, we haven't had a big hurricane strike since 2008, Yeah, you know? So in our return interval, interval here is about 16 years, yeah. give or take. Yeah. So, well, even on the other side, you know, I, I have to admit I was a, in a bit of denial for the polar plunge. And, you know, uh, they were talking about on the weather plenty of time in advance, four or five. And I just like, Oh, I just can't see. And besides it's just freezing. It's not that big of a deal. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We were out without power for Mm -hmm. several days and, you know, fortunately had a place to go, but uh, you you never know what card you're going to be dealt. And what's interesting about that freeze is that 37 people froze to death in Harris County. I mean, that's, that's equivalent to, starving to death being locked in a grocery store. I mean, it's just not supposed to happen. Right. right? And to have 37 people freeze to death, no power, snow and ice all the way to the beach of Galveston. Yeah. You know, um, I've I've never seen the entire state of Texas under a winter storm warning. Yeah. Wasn't that cool? And and, and you you look at Brownsville and then you look across and, oh, that's on the same latitude as Miami. Are you kidding me? That's right. But you know, as I like to say, there's nothing between Texas and Canada, but a few barbed wire fences. You know, I mean, there is nothing to slow that cold air once it gets moving. Right. Well, and, you know, Miami's surrounded by water and right. you, know, you got Brownsville has all that land behind it. But um, just to see the whole state under, mm-hmm. uh, you know, magenta or whatever yeah, color that yeah. is, it's, it was, it was crazy. But uh, well, Blake, I tell you in the podcast, all the podcasts I've done, I don't think I've ever used the word wow as many times as I have in this one, that was incredible. And, and, uh, I would love to do a, a second part on this. Sometime. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, th- there is so much about Harvey. I don't even know where to begin. You know I mean? Just, just the, the, the overwhelming statistics. I mean, you've got 31 of, or 31 of 67, uh, river, uh, forecast points that set new records. Um, you know, just the trillions of gallons of water that fell. Uh, 60.5 inches of rain, 18 observations of 48 inches of rain or more, 18. There were a dozen locations that picked up more than 52 inches of rain, a dozen locations, each one setting a new national record. Yeah. 
and th- those rain gauges they they don't hold that much water right are they are they tipping 12 inches and that's the other thing is that when i was reading the post tropical report on harvey they 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 were trying to figure out how much rain had actually fallen and they they discovered that they don't really know because these rain gauges fill up yeah. And, and the rain was yeah. coming down so incredibly hard that they couldn't get to the rain gauges fast enough to empty them. Mm. So there's probably more. So there's probably play. more. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you think about it. Wow. Well, we will put all of this fun stuff on the website. Of course, the book, how, how yeah. to uh, touch about it, uh, or how to get the book and the pictures and everything. It, it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to read it. I've worked really hard on it. Of course, I think I've rewritten it 17 times. But <laughs> there's a lot of editing, right? A Writing is one thing, and then, right. then editing—that's a whole, a whole different uh, ball game. So, well, thank you so much for being our guest. This is incredible conversation. Well, hopefully, uh, the the next time I'm on your podcast, it's under a different set of circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just hope you're on my podcast. Uh, yeah, exactly. Awesome. So, thanks again, Blake. Thank you. Really enjoyed it.